fast, but your disciples don't fast. And Jesus said to them, well, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed, but new wine is put into fresh wineskin, and so both are preserved. This is God's word. So, Jesus uh, and his disciples, last week, they just finished feasting, right? He, he calls Matthew, and Matthew fills his house with tax collectors and sinners, and uh, they have a big meal, and it's a big happy time. So, the next story that we get here is this one, where the Pharisees and, and some disciples of John, and some, some Pharisees, not all Pharisees, Come, and they say, hey, it's Monday, okay, or, or Thursday, because Pharisees fast Monday and Thursday, and, and they say, hey, it's Monday, it's Thursday, we're all fasting, why aren't you guys fasting, you know, what, what's the deal here? And as a disciple of Jesus, I like what Jesus does here, okay? As, I, as I'm trying to follow Jesus, I love what I see here, he sticks up for his disciples, okay? Like... These people come with accusations, and Jesus defends them, okay? Like an angry mom at a basketball game. And just comes in and, and is trying to defend her little one, okay? And, and his defense of their feasting instead of, of fasting is simple, and it's straightfor- straightforward, okay? Why are we feasting? What's the answer? Because it's the right time to feast. Okay, why are we feasting? Because it's appropriate to feast now. Jesus said to them, can wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Right. The simplicity of today's sermon is going to blow your minds. Okay. I mean, you don't go to the movies and carry on a conversation. Okay. That's inappropriate for that time and that place. When the movie is on, you watch the movie, Robin. Okay. We all saw it, Robin. You don't have to comment on it. I'm just kidding. If you can, at some point in your life, go to the movie theater with my mother-in-law. It is a trip. It is a treat. So Jesus' answer is really, it's really simple. It's really straightforward. You don't go to a wedding and sit in a corner and cry. It's odd. It's inappropriate. It's not right. Jesus said to them, the wedding guests don't mourn while the bridegroom is with them. Okay? You don't put a piece of cloth on an unshrunk garment. It won't work. It's not appropriate. You don't put new wine into an old wineskin. It it won't work. It's not appropriate. Or Luke's version of this is better, I think. You can't make someone who has tasted good wine, okay, old wine, which is good. You know, you're into that. I think it's disgusting. Each their own. You can't make someone who has tasted old wine, the good stuff, and and have them drink new wine. It just won't work. So in Luke five thirty nine, Jesus says the old wine is better. Okay, and and it just you can't make it mix. It it won't work. No, rather the point Jesus is making is guys read the room. Okay. See what's going on in the room. See what's going on. I'm here and respond appropriately. The bridegroom is here, so we feast. The bridegroom is here, so we rejoice and we're happy and filled with life. Like there was, when I was a little kid, I hated weddings because I just thought they were long and boring and whatever. Now I love weddings, okay? If we can go to a wedding, I'm going because I think 
marriage is awesome and it, it's this wonderful thing God picture God's given us. But two, there's food usually. Okay, like Holly and Colton's wedding. That's my favorite things. I mean, just the, the food was just um, Gage Martin's wedding. I was like, oh my gosh, all of this food just for me for free. You know, like I love I love weddings. And so when the bridegroom's here, we feast and, and we rejoice. But there's coming a day when the bridegroom is taken away. And then what's the proper response? You, you shouldn't be feasting and rejoicing when the bridegroom is taken away. Then we'll fast. Okay, then we'll mourn. Then we will long for the bridegroom to come because we miss him. We, we want him back with us. But right now, in this moment in the story, Jesus, it, it, you know, if, yes, we, we uh, did my Uncle Bert's. Oh, sorry. My, my Uncle Bert um, passed away. We did his service yesterday. And my Uncle Bert's favorite movie, which let me do a disclaimer. We always watched it on television. I didn't see the real version until later in my life. Christmas Vacation. You guys seen Christmas Vacation? Okay, come on, it's it's fine. Okay, Christmas vacation. They have they have dinner, and their their cousin Eddie is there, and he says, "Save the gizzard for me, Clark. It's good." Right? That's what you do at the wedding. You rejoice. Hey, bring the gizzard down here, and the, the pudding, and and all the stuff. Okay, it is a simple, simple parable Jesus is telling. Okay, this is not an allegory. Okay, you don't need to be super spiritual or have a PhD to understand what Jesus is saying here. It's not an allegory. The different elements of the parable don't symbolize anything. The purpose of this parable is just to teach a lesson. Okay? When the bridegroom's here, rejoice. When he's taken away, fast and mourn. Okay? Now, are some parables allegory? For sure. Okay? Matthew 13, the wheat and the tares. You guys have heard this one? In in this story, Jesus tells a parable about a man who sowed good seed in a field. But when he was asleep, the enemy came in and sowed weeds. And they all grew up together. And then they're what? Sorted out. At, at the harvest, okay? That's an allegory because Jesus interprets it as an allegory, okay? Good, the guy that's sowing the seed, who's that? Son of man. The field is the world, the good seed, sons of the kingdom, the weeds, sons of the evil one, the enemy, the devil, the harvest, the end of the age, the reapers, the angels. One-to-one allegory, okay? Like, you get that. We'll, we'll do the parables in May. Like, that. that's what's going on. The, the it's just an allegory. Matthew 18 is an allegory. The unforgiving servant. You've heard that one? Okay. Actually, I think spring break. That one's yours, bud. Okay. <laughs> There's no allegory. I, I mean, there. that is the, the point of the unforgiving servant is, hey, did you see how the guy in this story didn't forgive? If you don't do that, your father won't forgive you. It, it's one to one. If you don't forgive your enemies in this day, God won't forgive you in that day. Okay. But this one, there's no allegory. There's no symbolism. There's no mystery. It's just a lesson. Look, don't fast while the bridegroom is with you. That's like pouring new wine into an old wineskin. It's inappropriate. It doesn't work, okay? And so I'm making that point about reading parables rightly, that one is an allegory and one is just a simple moral lesson for two-year-olds um, for a couple reasons. Is first, I, I want us to understand Jesus so we can follow Jesus. Right? That's the point of... All teaching and preaching is that, okay? Um, Jesus says there is a right way to respond to him and a wrong way to respond to him based on the times and seasons. And so we need to be able to do that, discern that. But second, I'm making the point about allegories because this particular parable, which is clearly not an allegory, okay? He's here, rejoice, when he's gone, fast, done, okay? This particular parable has traditionally been interpreted as an allegory, 
okay? And traditionally, it's framed in a way that is uh, what I would call like a Marcionite, um, anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish allegory. So you have a guy like uh, Marcion, you go look him up. His claim to fame is he makes this massive distinction between uh, the Old Testament mean uh, uh, judgmental law-giving God and the, the nice, happy God of the New Testament, okay? That's Marcion's claim to fame, okay? You got mean God in the Old Testament and nice Jesus, you know, hippie, if you guys have seen Godspell, like that God of the New Testament. And he reads the parable like this, and it's just been passed down and passed down and passed down all the way into 2022. Jesus says that the old wine... Okay, Jewish election, the temple, that whole bit is an old skin and Jesus is pouring new wine into it to destroy it and do away with it. Okay, and modern interpreters, they've done the same exact thing to this parable, including me. Okay, I I taught this parable to our junior high and told them, see, Jesus is getting rid of all that stuff because we have grace now. Okay, Um, forgive me because it's just bonkers. Right. We just went through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, You guys did some this morning. We went through it last year. What does Jesus say? Don't think I came to do away with the Torah and the prophets. I haven't come to do away with them to make them fully known. I've come to carry them out. So there's no allegory here between old covenant, old wine, new covenant, new wine, which again makes no sense because which is better? The old wine, right? So that's not what Jesus is doing here. He's not making a contrast between, look, here's Judaism and here's this new thing, Christianity, I'm doing. He's just teaching a lesson, okay? Look, you guys... You Pharisees and you disciples of John, you need to respond rightly to the times and the seasons. And I'm here now, so rejoice. And, and fe- when I'm gone, Monday and Thursday, go for it, fast. And you read through the book of Acts, what are the disciples doing? Fasting. Why? Bridegroom's been taken away. Okay? Like, again, cool, simple. All right? So what time and what season is it? It's the time for them in in this moment, that Israel's God has come in the flesh. He's, he, he's there. God has done the John 1, 1 thing and, and come and dwelt among us in the flesh. And how do we know that? How do we know that's what's going on here? Because of what Jesus calls himself, okay? It's not right. It's not appropriate to fast and mourn when who is here? The bridegroom. It's, it's not right. And so in the Jewish story, who's the bridegroom? The Lord. Right. Yahweh. So there's two things at play here. First, Jesus is identifying himself as God. Right. This is a claim to divinity. Ha ha. Guy on Sinai. That's me. Okay, One who came in thunder and fire when Moses went up and had a meal with 70 elders, which is such a cool story. Ta-da! I'm here in, in the flesh. But second, in calling himself the bridegroom, Jesus is reaffirming to a languishing people and nation that God's promises. They're still on track. Okay, he hasn't lied. He's still faithful to what he said. The bridegroom is going to do the bridegroom stuff. And so in the prophets, when the Lord reveals himself as the bridegroom, what you see is the restoration of Israel, the restoration of the earth and the undoing of the curse is soon to follow. Okay, like that's the pattern. A prophet talks about the bridegroom and bam, Israel's restored. The earth is restored. The curse is undone. He's revealed as a bridegroom, bam, 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 over and over and over and over. So when Jesus says, well, you don't feast when the bridegroom's here, they've got to be like, oh my gosh, are we about to do all the bridegroom stuff? Is Israel about to be restored and do away with Rome and all the nations are going to be blessed and the serpents had, like, is that about to happen? That, that's what's going on. So let's look at the prophets and see how they understand these things. Hosea chapter 2, verse 14 
Therefore, behold, I, Yahweh, will allure her, Israel. Okay, so. (laughs) And bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards and make the valley of Angkor a door of hope. And there there shall she answer as in the days of her youth, as a time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. And no longer will you call me my Baal. For I will remove the names of Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety. Who's going to do this for them? The bridegroom, the one who they call husband, and I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness, in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. This is what's going on in their mind when Jesus says the bridegroom's here. Okay, he's with you now and rejoice because when he's here, this happens. Okay, all all this stuff, the Lord as the bridegroom will on that day do this stuff. Okay, do the stuff that's just the the culmination of all the covenants in the Bible smashed into one great and glorious day for the people and and for the earth. Jeremiah 31, you're more familiar with this one. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on that day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. Right. Where's the where's the law go at Sinai? On tablets. Right. And we're reading this in our our house groups, all reading Exodus together. And the Lord writes it. The first tablet, like Moses writes it, he brings the tablets up the second time. And in Exodus, it says the Lord writes it. I don't know what that looked like, but awesome. Okay, here in the new covenant, he says, your husband is going to write it on your heart and put a new spirit within you. Sinai is awesome. Amen. This is awesomer. Okay? And, and, and this is what's happened. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Husband, wife, united together forever, not separated through exile again. Right? Not separated even by sin again because the law is in them. The spirit is in them. Isaiah 54. Sing, O barren one. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitation be stretched out. Right? So the glory of the Lord covers the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. Don't hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stake. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. Like this is just Abrahamic covenant language, right? From sea to sea. Okay? You will spread abroad to the right and the left. Your offspring will possess the nations and will, and will people desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Do not be confounded, nor you will not be confounded or disgraced. Are they disgraced in first century Israel? 100%. Okay. Um, For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. Verse 5, for your maker is your husband. Your bridegroom, the Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. For the Lord God has called you like a wife, deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she's cast off. For a brief moment, I deserted you, right? That's the exile, exiles, but with great compassion, I'm going to gather you again. Though I've scattered you, though I, I, I will gather you, okay? The, you know, can a woman forget her child? Have not compassion on the son of her womb. The Lord says, neither will I forget you, O Israel. 
Like this is what's going on. In, in overflowing anger for a moment, I hid my face from you. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Says the Lord, your Bridegroom. Says the Lord, your God. When this guy shows up, what should you do? Rejoice. Feast. Don't fast. It's inappropriate. It's not right. It's what you shouldn't do. Isaiah 62. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness, until it goes forth as the dawn, as the daytime, and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness, all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God, and you shall no more be termed forsaken. Your land shall no longer be termed desolate, but you shall shall be called my delight is in her and your land married for the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married for as a young man marries a young woman so shall your sons marry you and as a bridegroom rejoices over your bride over bride so shall your God rejoice over you all Jesus is saying well not all I mean he's saying a lot what he's saying when he says look guys you don't fast when the bridegroom's here he's saying I'm that guy I'm the guy from Hosea. I'm the guy from Isaiah. I'm the guy from from Jeremiah. I'm the bridegroom. I'm the one who's going to bring to pass all the hopes and dreams of my people. So if I'm here in the flesh, don't be sad. You know, just read the room, man. Rejoice when I am here, okay? We, We respond appropriately to being in the presence of the bridegroom, okay? And, and it affects Jesus negatively when this doesn't happen, right? Luke 19, he, he's making his, his journey to, to the cross, to um, Jerusalem, and he, he weeps over Jerusalem. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I, I long to gather you. Okay, like a hen gathers her chicks. They didn't know what's going on. They didn't read the room. and He weeps. He's sad. So when Jesus is here, he's saying, guys, don't fast. But rejoice. But that's not all that Jesus teaches here, right? Verse 15, Jesus says, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Well, of course not. Don't, you know, don't be that guy at the, we- at the wedding. It's crying in the corner, you know. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away and then they will fast. So what Jesus is doing here is is very pastoral, okay, very shepherd-like, as he is the good shepherd. He's preparing them, and he's telling them, hey, the bridegroom is going to be taken away, okay? Like, the, as you read through the Gospels and you get to the end, the cross is always such a shock to the disciples, and I'm, I haven't figured that out yet, because he tells them so many times, okay? Over and here, that's, that's just what he's doing. The bridegroom is going to be violently taken, violently accused, and he's going to violently be killed. And in that day, the wedding guests will what? Mourn. Which is appropriate, right? You can't pour new wine into an old wineskin. You can't put unshrunk cloth on, on old cloth. I assume, Gloria, I, don't, I honestly have no idea how cloth works. But apparently Jesus does. Okay? Jesus tells them before the crucifixion, John, John 16, 20, he tells them, look, guys, you will weep and you will lament. All right? But the world will rejoice, which is just what they did. Okay? Jesus is taken and, and Peter's got to be racked with guilt for his unfaithfulness. Right? 
which again Jesus warned him about too. He said, before the rooster crows, man. Okay, the guys on the road to Emmaus, they're, they're mourning, right? Jesus shows up, undercover boss style, walks, walks with them. The guys on the road to Emmaus, they're mourning over, over the bridegroom being taken because they said, we, we hoped he'd be the one to redeem Israel. But Rome just took care of him like they take care of everyone else. They are mourning because the bridegroom has been taken away. And that's the appropriate response. It would be odd if Jesus died and all the disciples were like, all right, let's feast. No, it's, it's wrong. It's a wrong response. But that's not the end of the story, right? Jesus tells them as much. John 16, 20, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to Joy, okay, which is just what happened. The risen Jesus shows up, which if you're new here and and haven't heard this thing, we believe that Jesus died, went into a tomb, and on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, physically, literally, and, and bodily. Like, that happened, okay? He shows up, Luke 24 says they are full of joy, and they are marveling, and they eat some fish. That's what you do when the resurrected Jesus shows up. You eat some fish and then they go to the temple and they worship him with great joy. That's the language Luke 24 uses, which is the appropriate response, right? When he's with you, you rejoice and you feast and you have a good time. When he's taken away, you fast and you mourn. When he shows up with a risen body, you fast or you feast and you rejoice and you be happy. Just simple. Like, just respond appropriately to what God is doing. The bridegroom is here, so rejoice. So clearly, Jesus is talking about the cross and his being taken away. When this happened, they mourned. But this pattern is repeated also when he ascends. After the ascension, okay, after the bridegroom is, is taken away, right? Taken up on the clouds. Why are you guys looking up into heaven? Don't you know he's going to come back in the exact same way? What marks the church after this event? Acts chapter, 21, Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 28, what marks the church? Prayer and fasting. Longing for the return of the bridegroom. So the question is, okay, the question is real, real simple, real easy. There's a right way to respond to Jesus and a wrong way to respond to Jesus. The question is, one, have you identified Jesus? Because that's the Pharisees and the disciples' problem. They, they didn't recognize So Why are you guys not not fasting okay and jesus is just real clear like do you know who i am right so this is the question we have and if we can have the music team come on guys that was a 20 minute sermon okay yeah i don't know if that's good that you clap for that Um, they didn't recognize who jesus was so therefore they responded inappropriately and so the question you got to ask yourself first, and then we'll ask the world, but ask yourself first is, do you recognize who Jesus is? Okay? Because if you recognize who he is, you're going to respond appropriately. If you recognize who Jesus is as a bridegroom, if you recognize who he is as king, if you recognize who he is as judge, that's going to cause a natural, normal, right response in you to first repent. If Jesus is who the Bible says he is, our first response is repentance and crying out for mercy. Oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, because you're holy and I'm clearly not. That's the right response. That's the appropriate response. And you have to recognize him first. You identify Jesus as he really is, as he's described in the scriptures and as he has revealed himself in history. 
Like that's just one of the remarkable things about following and, and worshiping Yahweh is we it's, we have this, which is just like amazing and in you know eight million translations and in your pocket and all this stuff that's amazing but also we were talking about this in our our group you can just kind of look at history and believe in this god like ali was saying this week like hey the jews still exist you know what i mean (laughs) like all these other nations and people here like where are they at what people's enduring forever and will continue to endure forever. Like, you can go visit them. You can go to New York and visit them. Or you can go to, to Jerusalem. You know what I mean? Like as he's revealed himself in history. And as he will reveal himself in the future. If you've identified him. The, the question we have to ask as disciples. Is does our response match who he is. And what he's worth. And um I got to tell you, mine doesn't match perfectly, okay? There, there's some inappropriate response in my life to this guy, and I would like that gap to, to, to shrink over the course of my life, <laughs> okay? The Pharisees and the disciples of John in this story misidentified Jesus, and therefore they did not respond appropriately, okay? His person, his presence demanded feasting, and they were fasting, Okay? So there is a response that God is looking for. There's a response that's appropriate to Jesus, to who he is and, and what he's doing. And so um, what I want to do now is just take some time after these guys bring the Holy Spirit into the room. Um, just take some time and pray. And, and so just a little extended ministry time to pray and ask God to do some work on our hearts so that we respond rightly to Jesus. When he, sh- when he shows up now in, in, in the power and presence of the Spirit. And when he shows up on that day. I want my heart to respond appropriately in that moment. Okay? So I'm going to invite you to stand. Um, or, you, or you can stay seated if you want to. But we're just going to pray and ask the Lord. Hey, do, do some heart work in us. So we don't ask stupid questions like this. Why are you guys... Not responsible. So Holy Spirit, we ask you, um, we invite you, Lord, um, come and do do some heart work now. God, we don't want to respond inappropriately to what you're doing, God. We don't want to put new wine into an old wineskin. The wrong piece of cloth on. Thank you, Lord. So, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you you administer now.
Father, search us, know us, see if there be any wicked way in us, God. God, show us the parts of our hearts. We're not responding appropriately to you and, and what you're doing. God, I ask that you would, um, God, bring forth repentance in us, God, as, as our lifestyle. God, constantly turning to the Lord, asking for mercy. Casting ourselves on, on you, casting ourselves on the cross every day. fast as long as the bridegroom is with them but the day is coming and the bridegroom will be taken away then they will mourn then they will fast God is your uh, uh, taken from us in a sense God I thank you for the ministry of the spirit in us God that causes us to long for you to mourn for you um, God I ask you for, for those that have dipped their toes um, into fasting or considering fasting God that today would be they say I'm going to do it I'm going to fast for the bridegroom. I'm going to mourn for the bridegroom. I'm going to set apart temporary pleasure, God, to to search after you. To have mourning in my heart, God. To say in my heart, things are not okay right now with you not being on the earth. We want you on the earth, Lord Jesus. So I ask God, birth in our church, God, in our, our members, a longing for Jesus to come. God, a longing for uh, a Maranatha to be in our guts and our bones and our bellies. God, we want you to come. We want the bridegroom to come and be with us again. We're going to switch something. If I have the elders come up now, Um, if you want prayer, um, just just for this, you you want to long for Jesus, mourn for Jesus, fast for Jesus, have this as a real thing in your heart. God, I'm kind of living like it's okay that you're gone and I want to live like I want you to come. Okay, or at least have that in my spirit. I want you just to come up now and we'll pray with you for that. that we'll, you just have a, a Maranatha spirit. Okay? So if you want to do that, let's come up now. Or if there's anything else you want to pray for, um, we'll also pray for that. But just first in response to the message, God, I the bridegrooms are taken away. I want to mourn. I want to fast. I want to long um, for you. Okay? Not all at once. Yeah. Yeah, and if you just want to come to the altar, like, we can do that too. That's great.